0: Sick of pinket and trinket? Us too. That's why we trust Isle Royal Outfitters as our source for women exclusive hunting and fishing apparel. Their products are meticulously field tested, incorporating new solutions to ensure all apparel is silent, scent free, and designed specifically for women so nothing stands in the way of your hunt. With a woman first approach and exclusive camo prints, you can ensure these products will not only stand up to your time in the field, but can also be utilized in everyday life. Check out IsleRoyalOutfitters.com and use code Artemis twenty for twenty percent off your next purchase. That's IsleRoyalOutfitters.com and code Artemis twenty. Hey everyone, welcome to the Artemis podcast. I am your host this week, Marcia Brownley, and I am joined by Sarah Top. Hi, Sarah.
1: Hey, Marcia. How's it going?
0: It's good. How have you been?
1: I've been great. Thrilled to be on again. Thank you very much.
0: Um, How's Timber?
1: Um, Timber's a little under the weather. She recently got kennel cough, but she's um, improved greatly and has gotten to go on several hunts with me this week. And we've had a great time. I just have to isolate her, which is unfortunate.
0: Doesn't it just figure that just as you're about to get really busy and your season's about to pick up, you get sick? (laughs) Like, poor Timber.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know. It's it's actually harder to plan to isolate her than it is to isolate myself. Um, I'm ho- hosting a women's, as you know, yeah. the women's um, intro to Upland and waterfowl hunting this weekend. And I can't even bring my bird dog.
0: Oh, Don't tell her. I <laughs> She'll know. She'll be crushed.
1: She's going to have a great friend, Kelly Van Beek. Um, nice. Also Artemis Ambassador. Come watch her and hunt with her instead.
0: Okay. Okay. Well... I still wouldn't tell her, but that feels like a good alternative. <laughs> nice. yeah. Our guest today is Kathleen Zaplatol. Hi, Kathleen. Hey, Marcia. Hi, Sarah. Hello. It's so great to have you on. I am excited to dig in and as... Um, I mentioned before we started this podcast, I, I the Michigan part of me and the Montana part of me is constantly at battle, and it actually increases the older <laughs> I get. So I say I'm a Michigander at heart, which is partly true. So I guess I'll keep that. I'm a Michigander at heart um, as well as a Montanan at heart, but I'm excited to delve into the Michigander side of me with uh, you and Sarah, and that was very awkward introduction to our podcast today, but welcome, Kathleen. <laughs> no, thank you. Happy to
2: be here and, of course, talk more about Michigan, and it's awesome that you both are uh, um, have the knowledge about Michigan as well.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's dive right in. What's in your freezer?
2: Ooh, um, okay. Let's see. So uh, pumpkin cheesecake from Trader Joe's, mm. um, one of my favorites. the season. Um, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, but there's also, so there's a little bit of venison left over from last year. So hoping to get that, um, restocked here in the next couple months. Um, and then we have actually a little bit of trout left from this summer. And then, um, my husband and I order like a quarter of a cow at a time from a local butcher. So, um, yeah, so we get,
0: so we have quite a bit of
2: beef in our freezer as well. Nice.
0: What's your, uh, I'm looking to har- harvest fish more frequently than i have in the past and so i'm collecting trout recipes what's your go-to way for cooking your trout yeah actually one of my favorites is to smoke the
2: trout and then do um basically like a fish dip um
0: yeah so like with you know serve with crackers load it with cream cheese all that fun stuff but yeah um, yeah that's probably one of my favorite ways that's one of my favorite ways to eat it too and and my follow-up question is um how do you smoke it what smoker what kind of what's your smoking setup
2: yes we actually have a traeger um so we use that and just yeah we'll smoke it depending on the size of the fish but um a couple hours try and get a nice smoke ring in there and then um we'll just dice it up really fine and mix it with cream cheese and chives I think we actually have a recipe for it on our blog, on our website. Sweet. But uh, yeah, there's quite a few different ways to do it. But yeah, I, I love it in that form.
0: Cool. Um, all right. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the co-founder of
2: Isle Royale Outfitters based here in West Michigan. Um, and basically we're looking to just solve for the absence of women's hunting and fishing and outdoors apparel in the industry right now. Uh, so I noticed a couple of years ago that there wasn't very many um, clothes that were made specifically exclusively for women in the, in the hunting and fishing industry. So uh, we launched about two years ago and since then I've been just trying to come out with new lines. We have a new fall line right now um, that incorporates a couple of pieces that we think will definitely speak to that audience.
0: Nice. Um. And our listeners have probably noticed that you guys have sponsored a few episodes of our podcast. So thank you for much for your support in that regard. It's, it's appreciated. Um, And I hope our listeners will head over to your website and check it out. Um, And, you know, having um, a sponsor guest on the podcast isn't typically part of the package, but I wanted to hear your story because I think anybody who delves into this Realm of the hunting industry as a business has a story to tell, and so I'm excited to dig into it with you. Oh, absolutely! Um, I want to start back at your origin story. How did tell us about your journey into hunting? Yeah, definitely. So I started hunting about seven years ago, I'd say. Um, so it was was when I
2: first started dating my husband. Um, he him and his family have been hunting for many years, and so it's kind of an introduction for me, but immediately just fell in love. Um, I started off as a spectator actually. So for the first two years of deer season, um, deer rifle season, I was strictly a spectator and I actually loved doing it that way. Just being able to kind of approach hunting from that perspective, understand the process. And that's actually really where I fell in love with it even more. Um, and then the last few years have started actually getting tags and um, being more active within the hunting industry, I'd say, and following the seasons and engaging in them even more, but definitely really loved it. I even coined the term, uh, snack manager So for my first yeah. few years.
0: So I was in charge of all the snacks nice. until I got more comfortable and acclimated, but yeah, no, it was a great intro into the industry. I like that. It's not, you're, you're, you're not a, a mentee or along for the ride. You are the snack manager. That's, that's <laughs> vital vital to trip success. Yeah, I had to have a purpose.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I've encouraged some of my friends then have, have just started to get engaged um, in the industry as well. And, and they've kind of followed that same approach. It's, it's kind of nice in some ways to have that spectator viewpoint. You know what I mean? Where you mm-hmm. just watch the process and, and enjoy it from that view.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great way to, um, that's how I started too. It was on a duck hunt and goose hunt where I was just out watching. I wasn't out with the intention of learning to hunt. Right. So I think I, yeah, you bring different lens to that experience, um, and a different, uh, energy. Like there's, there's less pressure when you're snack manager, you're just out there to (laughs) enjoy the day and uh, experience it. Um, and, and once I started going out there with more intention of picking up, um, tactics and, learning how to hunt with the intention of doing it myself. There was just a different level of intensity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the name of your company. Yeah. How did you land on that? Um, yeah, definitely. So this was, (laughs) this was fun. We kind of went back and forth
2: between a, a bunch of different names. And, um, so I think what really solidified it is we took a step back, look at, looked at what we were trying to accomplish and what we loved about the outdoors um, and what we loved about hunting and fishing more specifically. Um, and I think it was the intention behind it. So I'd actually been working in the tech industry for a bit and, you know, just everyday life gets so busy and hectic. And one of the things we kept coming back to was just the intention behind going into the field, hunting and fishing. Um And how much we were almost drawn and how much we felt like we sought that out, like we needed that, uh, that time in the outdoors. So I think when we were looking for the name, we really wanted to find something that would speak to that. And that's where Isle Royale National Park really came into play. I mean, it's a a national park that, for those of you who don't know you, it's way up north in Michigan, um, even more north of the UP. Um, But it's only accessible by plane or boat. So there's no roads. It's an island. Um, And it is truly out there. Um, You feel like you're really in the outdoors, you're immersed in it. And so I think what drew us towards that name and just naming the company after that national park is the intention behind it, right? So it's not really a national park or a place that you go just to take pictures with your iPhone and post them on Instagram or, you know, film a TikTok or whatever you got to do, but it's really a place that you intentionally go to. And that really drew us in. And I, I think we just, All that intention with what we do when it comes to hunting and fishing, and what we wanted our brand to speak to. I mean, our our products were very much built with intention, but just the idea behind it is is intention.
0: That's interesting. I like that because I think uh, again battling my internal divided heart of Michigan and Montana. When you look (laughs) at the national parks out here in Montana, which which are amazing, they're um, you know there's they're filled with cars for lack of a better word, because right. they get a ton of visitors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're not in the backcountry, um, traffic is a part of your national park experience. But Isle Royale, which uh, I had the amazing experience of doing a week-long backpacking trip when I was in high school, um, yeah, there's no cars there. And it's, it's isolated in a way that other national parks I've been to aren't. And I appreciate that you focus on the intention, right? It draws that, um, it, it highlights the connection to the natural world. It sounds like that's what you're aiming for, that you feel with hunting mm-hmm. and the quiet that that gives us.
2: Absolutely. And I think just in our everyday lives, right? We're so, you know, notifications, it's just so much going on, which is, it has its place, and, that, and that's great, too, but to be able to get away and, and really get away, I think, is unique and special, and that's kind of, you know, a big part of what people love about hunting and fishing is just that escape and connecting with the outdoors, things like that, and um, yeah, when you get an opportunity like that with the National Park and then get through that in your everyday life, it's really awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, have you, tell us about a story that you've experienced in, so actually before I do that, we have to talk about pronunciation because you I've heard you say Isle Royale and then I grew up saying Isle Royal. um, mm-hmm. is a like, yeah, am I, am I an outdated Michigander?
2: <laughs> no, you're good. I think I've heard, I've definitely heard it both ways being said, um, I think Isle Royale, and then leading into like Outfitters rolls off better. Okay. <laughs> um, at least when I go to say it, but um, yeah, so that's uh, kind of the pronunciation we've chosen to go with for our company. But I, I've definitely heard it said both ways. I almost feel like we need to pull in like a national park expert and <laughs> get the official get the official pronunciation there. Um, yeah, because growing up, I heard Isle Royale more, but I have mm-hmm. more frequently been hearing Isle Royal. So um, yeah, I guess it's just whatever people want to do with that e at the end. Where did you grow up? Um, so I grew up in West Michigan, so Grand Rapids. Um, okay. Yes, yeah, so just a little bit in the Lower Peninsula here on the west side of the state.
0: Interesting. I grew up South Central, and it was Isle Royal there. <laughs> Sarah, okay. Yeah, Sarah. What about you?
1: Yeah, I grew up in the northern lower and spent a significant amount of time in the UP where I reside now, and I also say Isle Royal.
0: Interesting. Isle Royal. All right. <laughs> Who knew it was I regional love it. within it the state? Like accent.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I actually love it. Because I feel like it's almost like, you know, in the country of different accents depending on where you
0: are, right? Regionally.
2: No. Um so it's
0: like that. We have a different name for it every time, but it keeps it interesting. Keeps it interesting. And it tells you a lot about a person. <laughs> well, not a lot. It tells you something about a person. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, that's everyone's from. <laughs> yep. Uh, now that we've had that important conversation, um, tell us a story about an experience you've had in Isle Royal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so
2: being there, let's see, we went there about two summers ago and visited, um, did kind of a similar thing, not quite as long as what you said you've done where it was a week long. We just did two days there, um, but pretty much just camped and hiked and we didn't take any like, you know, it's national parks, so it's a little different from like a hunting and fishing perspective, mm-hmm. but um, we camped and hiked in there for about two days and then came back to, I, I'm calling it the mainland, but came back to the Upper Peninsula um but yeah, just an incredible opportunity. I mean, the thing it's it's really immersed in the outdoors, which is unbelievable. Um, you know, we kind of call it America's best kept secret, which of course now we're exposing it a little bit, but um I think I love just how kind of like you mentioned before, it's not your typical national park, mm-hmm. right? It's so like less populated. You really are just free to kind of roam and explore what you want and and just get to know the area. Um so I think it's really a, a unique and really cool place.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, when I was there, it was the first time I'd heard wolves howl, um, which is a cool experience. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, depending on how close they are. <laughs> yeah. Because at first, yeah, you're like, is that, did I just hear a wolf? And then you're like, no, no, there's no way. <laughs> and then you hear it again. You're like, yep, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sarah, have you
0: ever been?
1: <laughs> um, yes, I have been once in my life and I would love the opportunity to redeem that experience because quite honestly it ended up being one of the worst um worst backpacking experiences my family has had up to this point and we've had a lot
0: (laughs) i'm gonna need more Um, details (laughs) yeah (laughs) so
1: we we opted to go to the side of the island that is even further away from the potential of seeing people which i believe is the south end of the island um Sorry if I'm mistaken on that. Anyway, it it seems like the trails we were on hadn't been maintained in any capacity in years, maybe even a decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we we had a hard time staying on trail. Um, we also went, I believe it was in June or July. So really, really awful time for flies and mosquitoes. Yeah. That made it quite miserable. Weather did not cooperate at all. We had to endure several pretty terrifying thunderstorms and I think we were 11 or 12 at this time. So that was a little scary for my siblings oh, wow. and I. Um, and <laughs> we did see some wolf presence and hear wolf. So that was pretty cool. We had maybe one night of really beautiful stars and sunset um, in one of our campsites. But for for young teenagers, it was uh, an unpleasant overall experience that I would really want to redeem. <laughs>
0: yeah i can see that with with how we all know those bugs those flies can be and then how we all know those thunderstorms can be and then with your tiny legs well my legs were tiny when i was 12 years were probably a little bit longer but crossing (laughs) over all that deadfall and that sounds intense
2: yeah that sounds i almost feel like you get the beautiful like stars and, and you see things you don't normally get to see right like the entire like the stars that I remember were just unbelievable, but yeah, at what cost with all the bugs as well, there's definitely a give and take
0: yeah
1: yeah there was there was definitely no reprieve um, I think we ended up we were planning for a week long trip, and we ended up going out two or three days early, just yeah, because of how miserable we all were um with the bugs, but, yep. there were some beautiful parts for sure.
0: Did you see, did either of you see the Northern Lights when you were there? I did not. No, we did not either. Okay, so uh, we're going to do a redo, (laughs) and we're going to go with the aim of not repeating your trip, (laughs) Sarah. So we'll go when it's not fly season um, and hope that we see some Northern Lights done. I would love that. Cool. Yeah. And
2: it's not like we have to go again.
0: (laughs) Yes. And we'll, we'll, (laughs) we'll wear, um, Isle Royale gear. So we'll be well outfitted. (laughs) I love it. Uh, okay. Let's see. So going back a little bit to your entrance into the gear industry, um, specifically Mm -hmm. providing women's gear, what did you notice was missing? Yeah. Um, so let's see, when I first started
2: and really getting into hunting and fishing and, and wanting to get outfitted, I think one was just, it's, you're kind of like, holy smokes, I could buy like all this new gear and, you know, not only like guns and, and bows and fishing rods and all that, but then like apparel as well, right? Um, so then I think I quickly realized it all, anything that was for women seemed to be, pretty much what I guess you'd call shrink it and pink it, right? It was men's sizes, men's fit and (laughs) function. Nothing really seemed to be designed exclusively for women, at least from what I could find in the marketplace. Um, You know, and then there was just a range of, you could be spending just thousands of dollars on gear that you really would only wear while hunting. So we actually sat down and made a list of pretty much anything that we saw as like a frustration point. Um, And one of the things, was one obviously there w- there really wasn't anything exclusive to women or it felt like it really was made you know for women um and two another big thing we saw that we saw and noticed that i felt other women probably had the same restrictions about was the inability for those pieces to be cross-functional um mm-hmm. so it was like all of those clothing items could only exclusively be used for hunting and we just saw an opportunity there to kind of come in and say okay well, not exactly, right? You can get more uses and more wear out of your clothing and um get more out of it 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 could be a cross functional piece so that's where we kind of redesigned what our products were and looked at it from, okay, what is a typical woman like? Um uh, She might go hunting or she might go fishing or hiking, but she's probably also you know chasing around a toddler or working full time or you know meeting friends for a drink or coffee or. Uh, you know, living a normal life. So we wanted pieces that could be cross-functional with everyday life as well as in the field. And it's actually where we kind of coined the term find your field, which has become our hashtag as well, like yeah. our main one. Um, because it's just that idea that wherever the woman wants, wherever us women want to find our field, we should be enabled. And that's kind of where our clothes are. The mission is our clothes are to enable women to find their field and enable them in their field, um, whatever that may be. So you know, I think starting out and, and just finding those pieces, that's why we have those uh, three primary pieces for this fall, the jacket, long sleeve and leggings. And, um, you know, they could range from a, a couple different temperatures and hit most climates, mi- minus the crazy winters here in Michigan. But um, we're looking for solutions to that soon here. Um, but yeah, I think just targeting those two areas, you know, let's let's get it exclusively for women. Let's make them, let's make these clothing, this clothing to be built for them. And then how can we make these cross-functional pieces? So when you invest, it's, it's a piece you can wear in multiple different fields, whatever that may be.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. Can you can you talk a little bit more about what's necessary in a piece of gear to be cross-functional?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think it, we started off with the technicality of each of our pieces. That was really critical to us uh, because, you know, first and foremost, we're like, we, are, we do supply gear for the outdoors woman right we, now, they are able to be cross-functional, but they're primarily for the outdoors women. So first we started with a technical mindset. What are the leggings need to have? What is the long sleeve and, and what does the jacket need to have? Uh, so for example, like our jacket incorporates polygene odor crunch, which odor crunch, which is a um, top layer that's added to all of our jackets to eliminate any scents. So that's going to help tremendously when you're out hunting and you know, you don't want to smell like a person and scare away anything, um, so we wanted that to be incorporated. The fabric of our jackets is almost completely silent. We went through multiple different types of fabric to find the quietest one we had or we that was available. So then we could utilize that fabric in the manufacturing process and enable like anyone who's wearing the jacket, if you're moving a little bit, you're not gonna smell and you're not gonna make noise. And those are kind of the two primary things hunters seek to, to kind of eliminate when they're out in the field. Um, And then switching over to our leggings and the bamboo shirt, um, you know, I, I think, and this actually goes into our jacket as well, but the mobility of our products was really huge too. Um, you know, if you're pulling a bow back, if you're lifting a gun, if you're fly fishing and you've got to do a, a cast, whatever it is you're trying to do, that long sleeve shirt won't restrict you. And that was a huge part of the design process was to have pieces that won't be restrictive at all. Um, and same with the leggings, you should have full range mobility. If you're climbing into a tree stand or crouching down, you know, whatever it is, again, those products are a lot more easily quiet because of the fabric that's typically used for them. The jacket was a little more difficult to find a a quieter fabric, but, um, yeah, so I think the first and foremost was technicality and just being able to have products that would function very high in the, in the outdoors industry. Um, and then just to branch over really quick to to then how we made them cross functional. So we started with a technical piece of it of each one. And then we incorporated um the design and I'd say the fab or the camo print into more something that could be used um in everyday life. Um and actually I think camos having a moment in the fashion world in general. So it seems like <laughs> Camos a lot of having people, a moment. Lululemon, yes. Yeah, they're all doing camo. So it actually worked out really great. But we had um a design team kind of help us come up with some new camo prints that could be used in everyday life. You can wear the leggings out and about. Um, These have all been field tested in the gym. I think toddlers have stood up on them, like (laughs) everything you could possibly think of, not to mention like actually out hunting and fishing and all these things. Uh, But the idea was that, you know, you can wear them out and about and it would be, you know, a little bit more paired more easily, I'll say, with your everyday clothing.
0: Nice. I do think that might be the only hunting gear that's been tested on toddler spit up. (laughs)
2: i haven't heard of any others so i have to think
0: yes and i will say with confidence ours i have a newborn at home so um our clothing does hold up to spit (laughs) up right that's like that's like hardcore tested that's not just dipped in a little bit of spit up that's carrying around a newborn (laughs) yes exactly oh yeah the tugs everything (laughs) (laughs) um um, I segued there real hard. I'm gonna try to <laughs> come back in my <laughs> line of thought where I was going. Uh I think I mean I I appreciate the um the focus and the intention and kind of grounding it in the experience of women hunters um and the full complexity of that. I like hearing the, the background to that. That's really cool. Uh I am curious about Uh, entering into the hunting industry from the business perspective, um, has anything surprised you from that angle? Yeah, I think honestly,
2: uh, first thing that comes to mind is is definitely the people Uh, we have been able to work with just unbelievable people. Everyone's been so friendly um, and you see so much raw talent that it just comes to life. Um, So pretty much everyone we've worked with has been unbelievable. I could go on and on about each one, but um like you know for example our graphic designer that we've worked with and he's helped design our logos this has um just really been a huge part of the overall experience and he's working on some graphic design t-shirts for us and some future camo prints that we're looking to incorporate and I think not only has he just been so incredible with his talent I mean just using his god given talent and watching someone do that and being part of their process is really cool to watch but even more so his passion for the outdoor industry and um, so Doug has, this is Doug Hugo, who's been helping us and he's just done an incredible job. Um, and I think he, you know, just brings so much passion to it. He always tells us all the time. He's always so excited about the products and really he's himself very enthusiastic and really wants to get more women into the hunting and fishing industries too. So I think that is very unique to the outdoor industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone is so passionate and we've seen that all across the board. And I, I think that's something that's really special and, and really cool to just work with even more people as we continue to grow.
0: That's I love that. And it's true. I think no matter whether it's uh, organizations or industry or just somebody who does hunting as a lifestyle and not a career, <laughs> there's um, definite passion. We all are out there because we love it. And, and that's pretty cool for sure yeah and the knowledge too right because we all participate in the sport so mm-hmm. um you know like
2: like douglas helping us design camo prints he's like oh yeah i was you know sitting in a tree stand and thinking about this or i think this would work great or you know like just working with all our team members and they all participate so just you bring when you put that many heads together you just bring mm-hmm. so much more knowledge to it
0: oh you're speaking that language five heads <laughs> are better than one always on everything yes <laughs> <laughs> absolutely nice Um, And what about a pro tip gear hack that you think everyone should know?
2: Yeah. um, You know, I think focusing on sounds and and smells are very, very critical, right? Because, you know, making a loud noise or or, uh, an animal picking up your scent is definitely something you want to avoid. Um, But I think also one tip that sometimes gets overlooked is just the comfort in what you wear. Um, You know, so even like, if I go out scouting for a day, I'll wear the clothes I hunt in, like what I'm planning to wear on mm-hmm. um a morning I go out for a hunt. And I'll wear that while I'm scouting and just make sure, like, okay, is there something that's bothering me or or becoming restrictive or something that's gonna take my focus away from my hunt? Because that's kind of the last thing I wanna think about, right? It's like, oh my gosh, the shirt's annoying or you know, my sock is itchy, whatever. Um, so I, I would definitely say just having that solved for, having those clothes prepped and ready and you know, you know exactly what you're going to wear before you go out in the hunt. I think having that is is pretty important, and then being comfortable yourself in what you're going to wear, so you don't have to think about that, or you know, you get too cold or too hot, things like that.
0: That is so smart. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like, um, I uh, that's brilliant, and it makes sense. It's like you should absolutely test the gear that you're going to be in the field with in a way where the stakes are a little lower and, and your ability to um, deal with it is, is, uh, is a little higher than when you're out in a hunting trip. And I don't know why I haven't done that before.
2: <laughs> well, and I laugh too, because uh, you guys know just from Michigan's wonderful climate, and I'm sure Montana's the same too, but I mean, it could be super hot one day and then freezing the next day. And we've yeah. all been there where you're either really, really hot because you overdressed, you know, it's going to be cold, or you're really, really cold thinking it was going to be warmer. Um, And you're like, man, this is just like taking up so much headspace. I can't even, you know, process this right now. Mm
0: -hmm. Sarah, have you done that? (laughs) I mean, it's one of those things. No. It It takes me back to when I was 25. uh...
1: (laughs) This is a new thought for me too. I mean, of course, when I purchase something new, I either try it on in-store or as soon as I get it, if I order it in the mail and wear it around my house for a little while, but I have not thought to like pre-test gear prior to the season. My my camo was reserved for my actual hunts. Um, but yeah, that's that's a great tip.
0: Yep. And I just went out on a scouting trip not too long ago, and I will tell you that I was not wearing my gear, <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. That is an excellent tip. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Sarah, do you have any questions?
1: Um, maybe maybe a compliment and a question. <laughs> so, compliment is I I love that your your logo pieces are actually hunter orange or not pink or blue. So, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. For putting that thought into it, oh. and my question regarding that is uh what made you decide not to use like purple blue pink for any logos or anything
2: <laughs> um so it's funny you mentioned that because I think so what uh, it was brought up once or twice and I just I was like no <laughs> um I think for specifically <laughs> just my mind like and nothing against pink I have like tons of pink clothes right but my mind immediately went to shrink it and pink it. I was like no because I feel like mm-hmm. that was just I don't know why I almost painted the color pink for me when it comes to hunting. Cause I felt like it was just such a cheap alternative to a real solution. Um, and then, so, I mean, I'm not saying like, never say never, we might incorporate pink someday, but yeah, at least for right mm-hmm. now, we, we definitely love to just focus on the purpose of hunting and without like screaming like, Oh, it's for women. Like we don't have to yell that, you know, like our clothes will say that for themselves by the way they're designed. Um, and then I think the incorporation of hunting or the hunter's orange, um here in Michigan we have quite a you know hunter's orange regulations that we you know are very supportive of and and want to be able to provide products that are um that follow within that guideline um but also on top of that just bringing the safety of it um so to incorporate that hunter's orange into our logos it's, it's part of the industry but it's also you know in a way like we have a hunter's orange hat right to encourage that safety for anyone who goes out and hunts obviously it's you know, critical. It's the most important thing is always to be safe when you're out hunting. Um, And so we thought if there's a way we can incorporate it in a more stylish fashion or a way into our clothes. So again, you can have that, that female perspective on it, then that would just be that much better.
1: Awesome. I love
0: it. How did you tell us about the process? Well, gosh, so this is not super hunting related, but it is business related. And I'm curious about your process in developing your logo.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, so it was actually Doug Hugo, that graphic designer I mentioned mm-hmm. before, um, who helped us out with it and we went through quite a few renditions and then pulled Doug in and went through a few more renditions. Um, but I think it was the idea of creating something simple but also um incorporating some way to tell that it's a brand for female hunters and mm-hmm. um that's where he came up with the idea of the doe head, um which we absolutely love and just not only because it symbolized obviously the female deer but in a sense it was more of like a respect towards it um so i think it was really really cool so we worked with doug quite a bit kind of told him our vision and, and what we were looking for and um played around with a few samples went back and forth a little bit and finally settled on the doe head and and then it brought in some of that like off orange so it's not quite the bright hunter's orange but we brought in some of the off orange colors and the different tones and um into that as well and I think it just kind of tells the perfect story of you know hunting clothing fishing clothing but um clothing for female outdoors women
0: yeah I want to go back to the baby real quick Um, (laughs) yeah (laughs) so how old is your baby yes I have a daughter Claire she is eight weeks old Oh, gosh, so um, pretty and new. And just
2: been so awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I know. We joke that we have to get like little, uh, right now our stuff is more in the adult sizes, but we joke we'll have to start like, you know, getting infant or kid stuff because we have to have, uh, my daughter's name is Claire, so we have to have Claire rocking our stuff here soon.
0: For sure. we um, Artemis has a, a onesie, which we call our Arta Baby onesie, because we have a lot of women volunteers who are, who are having amazing babies, and so they get an Arta Baby onesie. Um, and they're a big hit. So I think, I think you should consider an Isle Royal onesie. Just say it. I love it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, because it, it kind of fits with everything
2: too, right? Like we're, we're more than just hunters and fishers. We're also moms and, um, oh yeah, everything. So.
0: Are you, oh gosh, eight weeks old again is so brand spanking new, but have you thought about <laughs> this fall hunting season and what that's going to look like for you and Claire?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, she's definitely new, but we were very blessed. She's been a wonderful baby so far. It's our first one. So of course we're being tricked into, you know, every baby sleeps as good <laughs> as she does. Um, but so we typically hunt, my husband um, grew up on a Christmas tree farm. So we typically hunt on their property on some of their acres. And I have a wonderful mother-in-law who has already uh, graciously agreed to to watch little Claire in the morning if I wanted to go out and hunt. Um, on opening day and and things like that. So I think I will be hunting this, this year. Um, luckily Claire will be safely at home with her grandma and, uh, being well taken care of. I'm sure.
0: Yay. Grandma's
2: (laughs) I know. Right. They're the best, but yeah, yeah, it is nice too. And then I hope to, you know, someday eventually as she gets older, of course, kind of bring her out into the field with us, but yeah, at least for now, she gets to sleep in and stay warm. Perfect.
0: And you get to (laughs) focus on the field instead of dividing your focus. And to those exactly. two different elements. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, I know. And it get a little bit of a break. Not that I need one from her, but it's always nice to get Oh, you, you need know, one a from bit her. Time, it's okay to say that. Mom.
0: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> okay that. <Yep. perfect>. Yeah. <laughs> I found man
2: is eight weeks too
0: soon to need a break, but no. no not <laughs> Just at a all. Little one. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Yep. Um, is there I we gonna change our track just a little bit. Is there anything you want to be sure to mention that we haven't talked about yet?
2: Um, no, I think, you know, like we I've obviously we've had some great conversations here. Um I, I think there's just so much excitement around women in the outdoor industry and um just how many more women are starting to get into the outdoor industry and and what we're able to accomplish. I, I think it's it's really cool and I, I think I'm very excited to see where this all goes for sure, how how the industry is going to continue to grow and how women are going to kind of, you know, feel uh, enabled to go out into the um, outdoors and hunt and fish and, you know, either have grandma watch the kids or bring them with you, whatever works. So um, I think most of all, there's just a ton of excitement for my end and my husband's end and, you know, the whole team here at Isle Royale. But yeah,
0: we're just very excited to see where this all goes. Fantastic. So am I. And I look forward to keeping an eye on it with you. Oh
2: yeah, absolutely. No. We love what you guys have been doing with Artemis and it's just anyone in the industry trying to promote women and all that stuff. It's, it's really a great thing to be a part of.
0: Yeah. I'll agree with that. Uh, I want to take us into a little bit more of a storytelling vein. Can you tell us a story of a memorable time in the field or on the water?
2: Yeah. Let me think here. Um, Oh, yeah. Okay. So actually, one of my favorite hunts was um, my first time duck hunting with my father-in-law and husband. Um, this was really fun. So, you know, you have the, it's like pregame jitters, right? When you're actually not a spectator and you're actually participating in the sport.
0: When you're not snack manager. Yeah. And
2: spectator is very important. It is. <laughs> participating is just as much fun, I will say, if not more. Um yeah, so we went out one morning duck hunting um, on my in-law's property up north, and um, you know, my father-in-law is so sweet. him and my husband were like, "You could take the first shot at, at the first ducks." Um, so here I was, a total newbie, and um, taking the first shot. Luckily, they are both really great shots because I missed, <laughs> so they took the second shot and were able to still still get a few ducks that day. Um, I did end up getting a few ducks on my first day, which was really awesome. Uh my father in law loves to tell the story that I got two in one shot. So I don't know mm. if it was beginner's luck or if he is just a wonderful and encouraging father in law, but either way, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Both so, things can be true. I think that was the best. <laughs> yes, exactly, right? Um, so yeah, expectations were high. I haven't quite gotten two with one shot ever again, ironically, but <laughs> um no, it was definitely a great first day out in the field and death hunting is truly one of my favorites. Just like the excitement and anticipation and um you know, I think it, it brings, it's just a different type of hunting than deer hunting. Um, it brings a little bit more, you know, you can be, noise isn't as much of a concern at certain hours. So it it brings a little bit more fun and excitement in some ways.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard that. <laughs> I haven't experienced that <laughs> because I'm not much of a duck hunter, but I have heard that. Um, that actually, Sarah, it sounds like you and Timber have been getting out duck hunting and she's, she's ex- Experiencing some retriever tactics yeah, surprises yeah. Me. she
1: we went out um I started trying to go out with her last season pretty seriously and was not successful in actually having any shots at ducks last season however I got out for early teal season this year and had a great opening morning got four teal with my friend and Timber didn't retrieve all four of them, but she did retrieve the first one, and um, on my my second couple of harvests there, the one of the teals looked like it had started falling down into the tree line outside of the pond I was hunting over, and I went out and grabbed the one that was right in front of me in the pond, and Timber ran off and came back with a duck in her mouth, and I was just so all right. happy.
0: That's awesome. Yeah,
1: it's, it's been super fun sitting out in the the marshes and the ponds with her and just a totally different style of hunting from upland of course.
0: Mm-hmm. Kathleen, do you have a dog?
2: We do. Yes, we have a yellow lab. Um and he actually is not a hunting dog. <laughs> um he's more of a sit on the couch and, and cuddle and sleep all day dog. <laughs> <laughs> that sometimes it can be, you know, you can get a wonderful hunting dog and sometimes you get the family dog. So, yep. uh, our dog Buck is uh so yeah, that's his name. Um he
0: decided to be a, a family dog. We love him for that too. <laughs> that's awesome. He's like, this is hard work. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> yeah, he's like one and
2: a half, and and doesn't like to run at all. So, oh, buddy. <laughs> so his personality <laughs> fits perfectly. He just wants to hang out inside, <laughs> hang out and snuggle.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
2: I would say, yeah, Sarah. I have hunted with a um, hunting dog before. One of our friends has a very well-trained dog so it can it brings a whole new experience to duck hunting it
1: it's awesome yeah I, I really love it I, I sit out by myself sometimes if she needs a break or I, I don't want her in a certain type of cover but it's so much more enjoyable just sitting out in the marsh with her
0: how does she stay warm she just seems like she would get cold
1: yeah her her season is limited so thankfully it's been I don't I mean thankfully is a weird word to use. I don't enjoy these warm temperatures this late into October, but it's been warm enough where she's totally comfortable. She, um, yeah, I won't take her into any marshes or ponds when it drops below 40 degrees.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's my temperature baseline too. It's not really, but (laughs) sometimes I wish it were. Nice. Okay. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sibling podcast, NWF Outdoors. We will be right back. Howdy, Artemis listeners. This is Aaron Kindle from NWF Outdoors. We know you love awesome conservation conversations. That's why we want to invite you to check out the NWF Outdoors podcast, where we dive deep into the issues, people, and places that showcase the best of the sporting conservation lifestyle. Guests include leaders, luminaries, and decision makers who define conservation and work tirelessly for fish and wildlife. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts or at nwfoutdoors.org. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Um, All right, let's transition to our weekly closer. The question is, what have you been aiming for and how did it go? Sarah, kick us off.
1: All right, so for a while now, I have actually been aiming for a new career path. Um, I was working for Marinette County as the county conservationist in Wisconsin, and it turns out I do not like working for local government and specifically that office. So I landed a job with Trout Unlimited as the Upper Peninsula Stream Restoration Manager, and I could not be more thrilled. I get to stay in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and back in the nonprofit realm doing cold water conservation for the entire UP. So I am pretty darn thrilled major hit.
0: <laughs> what? That's a congratulations. That's a fantastic job for you and a fantastic playground to be able to do that all across the upper peninsula.
1: Yeah, so I guess I'll have to focus on you know catching actual trout instead of clams in my fly fishing adventures now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, just yeah, is is your fly rod like always attached to you now wherever you go? Not that it wasn't before, but I imagine that's just emphasized.
1: Yes, it does go with me everywhere now. Um, And I I will be focusing more of my downtime on actually fishing.
0: That's so cool. So what does your, if you you can speak to this, because I know it's still a pretty new setup, but what's your, what are some projects that you're working on? What's your daily work life look like?
1: Um, So this is week three for me. So very, very new, but I am doing a lot of reading up on, um, of course, general training, and the project agreements that we have. It looks like I'll be doing a lot of stream restoration work in the Ottawa National Forest and the Hiawatha National Forest with the US Forest Service as our partners. Mm. Um, Doing a lot of culvert replacements, barrier removals, and habitat improvement projects on stream banks. So pretty excited to get to play in the Ontonagon area and of course the Eastern UP as well.
0: That's fantastic. We'll have to set aside some time for a future conversation about what the specifics of that restoration work and some of the challenges that the Upper Peninsula is facing. And I'm assuming as a part of that, we'll get to dive into beaver. And I love talking about beaver.
1: Yep. I've <laughs> definitely seen some, some tech or, um, techniques in the project plans revolving around beavers and beaver dams. So I would love to have a conversation in the future about
0: it. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Kathleen, what have you been aiming for and how did it go?
2: Uh, Let's see. So this last week was duck opening here in West Michigan. Um, So I was aiming for ducks. Um, Not too great. (laughs) Didn't get any this week, but hoping to get back out there um, and get some before the season wraps up. And then, of course, just prepping for deer rifle season coming here in November.
0: I I like that that aiming for was literal in this situation. (laughs) I know, right? Right when you said it, that was the first thing that came to mind. I was like, all right, (laughs) I was aiming. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, yeah, take us in any pictures as your season progresses. Let us know how it goes. Oh, I will. Absolutely. Um, I had a miss this week. Uh, it, It frosted here. Um, And I was not keeping track of weather patterns. And so I wasn't aware that it was going to frost. And so, well, technically that was like, part of me appreciated it as a win because it was beautiful, right? You wake up and there's just like this layer of frost and all of the golden leaves and the sun catches it and it's fall magic and everything is gorgeous (laughs) and smells good and all of that. But I did not prep my garden. Um, And so my basil is destroyed. And I lost a couple of other things that my intention was to plant and transition inside for the winter. Um, and I missed that. So it was a garden miss this past week.
2: Mm -hmm. That is
0: sad. It's sad. And my basil was, it was fantastic, (laughs) but (laughs) I'll just have to start over. Not a, not a, not a big deal, but definitely uh, you know, when you when you've got a lot of things going on, it it just I forgot to remember <laughs> that it was going to frost.
1: <laughs> I feel like there could have been worse things for you to forget, so maybe yep. fairly minor.
0: Yep, yep. I'll take that one. A friend of mine used to tell me when I was younger and a bit more of a perfectionist than I am today that you can't be perfect all the time. And so I'm just gonna (laughs) do that one with this frost. Missed it. Do better next year. Well, Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. It was really wonderful to talk to you and hear more about your story. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And Sarah, um, have fun in the job and we will talk soon sounds great thank you so much yeah. and a quick heads up to everyone out there if you aren't already aware isle royal outfitters is sponsoring a giveaway contest you can enter to win a full get up from their fall 2021 line um, the contest runs through the month of november head on over to the artemis sportswomen instagram page for more information to our listeners thank you so much for joining us this week on the artemis podcast until next time be bold stay curious and get outside